I'm so sorry about that. This is Table Talk with me, your host, Mark Penrith. On Table Talk, we have various guests come on and we shoot the breeze. We have a conversation with them on various Bible subjects and we are inviting you to join that conversation. I will give you... Uh, information and how you can bring those comments in in a moment I'll share those details in a second but in addition to my guests who I will introduce we have DK on controls this morning thanks for joining us brother and making sure that those many buttons in the control center are managed you can join us listener in one of these ways Uh, you can send messages in via WhatsApp to 082-657-2729. Let me repeat that, 082-657-2729. You can SMS on 37871 Table Talk, or you could phone in on 012-334-1322. Uh, we are also live streaming to Facebook. Share that so that your friends and family can see. And uh, we look forward to seeing comments uh, streaming in uh, through Facebook, uh, through Telegram, or through SMS. Who are we speaking to today? This morning in studio, we have three guests. They are Pastor Dr. Friends. Pastor Dr. Friends. Uh, we have Dr. Marlon McKay. Uh, he is the pastor of Marisburg Family Fellowship Church, and he is the owner and GP at Goldman Medical Center. Uh, hi there, Marlon. Lovely to have you with us, brother. Morning, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Great stuff. And we have Andrew Butterworth. Andrew is the pastor at God First East Rand. He studied a Master of Public Health at the University of Manchester studied medicine and surgery at the University of Manchester. How's it, Andrew? Lovely to have you with us. It's good to be here, Mark. And our third guest this morning is Dr. Wayne Gordon. Wayne pastors at Santon Bible Church, Johannesburg, South Africa. He studied theology at the University of the Northwest and studied at the University of the Witwatersrand. It is really good to have you with us, Wayne. Thank you so much, Mark. Nice to be here. So big smiles around the table because we did intend on having a um, pre-conversation regarding what we'd be talking about this morning. But because of traffic and uh, the East Rand and my desire to take the scenic route here, um, I arrived a little bit late. Um, and so wasn't able to introduce you guys to one another. I'm very glad that the various different members uh, of the panel did have a discussion outside. Um, and uh, uh, maybe we should start by just opening up and talking. We're going to be addressing the conversation this morning, coronavirus and Christ. So, so coronavirus and Christ, obviously it's the hot button topic that everybody is thinking about. Uh, all the listeners that are with us this morning are now got questions going through their mind that I have no doubt they want to ask. And you guys have some questions that I have no doubt that you've brought with you into studio. But before we even get to that, um, you guys aren't just here because you're doctors. Um, you've been invited here because you're pastors. And very particularly, you've been invited here because I'm friends with you in one way or another. And so I want to give you opportunity to 
introduce yourself to the audience and introduce the church that you serve and maybe also just give a description of the kind of ministry that you're involved with. Uh, let's continue going in an anti-clockwise direction, starting with Marlon on my right. Marlon, h- how long have I known you, brother? I think a few years now. Um, we met at one of the Shepherds Conferences. Um, describe, a shep- describe a Shepherds Conference. I, I imagine very few of the listeners would know what that is. Yeah, so as the name implies, you know, we are all shepherds in ministry, and it's a good time for, for pastors to get together away from the churches to come and be refreshed retaught revitalized re-energized and for me that's such a such a great thing and i'm only sorry that uh, when you hear my story uh, one of the favorite meetings of my dad was in ministry was shepherds conference yes. and he traveled all over with that and um when i became pastor i knew this was something that i wanted to get involved in so it's just a pity that uh, we haven't had it or it's uh, it's on another format now i never got to attend many of them but the few that I did attend and meeting great guys like yourself uh, made a big difference in my personal work with the Lord and in my ministry now the Shepherd conferences where, where are those where was those held because I think I met you at a Johannesburg conference yeah Pretoria yes Pretoria Pretoria somewhere yes. um uh, at, James, uh, at Grace Fellowship uh, with yes, Joel James, Joel James yes, yes, really good it solid great, church. Good solid church and um, great teaching. Just sitting under the ministry, and the nice thing you could choose what stream you want to 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 listen to and the types of messages. Um, and I took a, a few of my leaders with me from our church, and uh, it was amazing, amazing teaching and great blessing. Now describe the church where you serve. So, as you mentioned, it's called Marisburg Family Fellowship Church. Now. Um, Where's that, where, where's that on a map? Yeah. Firstly, it's not in Marisburg. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, so, that's, com- part, that's of the, kind of that's, that's part of the story. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so my dad was in ministry. Um, he was part of uh, a, a denomination called Evangelical Bible Church, which is uh, South African based. It started off as a mission organization through the Evangelical Alliance Mission many, many years ago. Mm. Uh, he resigned from that church and um, he was out of work. It was the same time around the the local the first post-apartheid elections 1994 and we were all at home and um, and he was quite discouraged my children aren't attending church he's he's not working and he said well look I have five children if I start a church and uh, um, all five of them tithe I'll be able to support myself. <laughs> Were you a doctor yet? I was. I was qualified. <laughs> newly qualified. I'm just thinking you, through how your dad is thinking through was, this. Yeah, he, <laughs> I was qualified about 10 months or so. So oh. on Sunday the 6th of March 1994 yes. he opened the church actually in my surgery Oh, wow. Which was in Marisburg at that time. Okay. And it was for his family. Yes. So he called it Marisburg Family Fellowship Church. Okay. So that's how it was started. And then the surgery got too big. So um, if I asked, you know, on the Sunday, you know, how are you, how are you feeling? No, I'm not feeling too well. Okay. So after communion, <laughs> stay around. <laughs> I'll open the surgery and, and we can. So I, it was a main means of making some business as well. Kind of the membership process included uh, which some medical panado, aid are you some on? Uh, and well. panado from your side. So <laughs> then the surgery got too small and we moved to the local hall and so on. And then um, in on Sunday the 10th of January 2010, uh, my dad had a massive uh, myocardial infarction or heart attack while preaching uh, in the pulpit that Sunday morning. Um, and he died. So he's is uh, a lifelong dream to die with my boots on and to die in my pulpit was realized. I, you know, we, 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 I always think we did CPR. I mean, I'm a doctor. My sister's a nurse. We had advanced life support come. Mm. He probably would have, if he, if he got him revived, he would have woken up and said, what are you doing? Man? I'm on my mm. way to heaven and you're stopping me. So he passed away. And then two years after that, um, in fact, today's the ninth 
anniversary of my ministry, a full-time ministry. It was wow. 15th of January 2012 that I was inducted into, into full-time ministry. So we still focus very much on family. So we are based on the west end of Johannesburg mm. in, in a suburb called Florida. Mm. And we serve the greater community of Bosman, Florida, right up to uh, Randburg, Santon, in those greater environs. Look, I've got good friends down the road from you. Uh, Gideon and Penny uh, is Absolutely. at Florida Baptist, Baptist Church. He's and I know he's not even got a, kilometer a away from high us, regard yeah. for you and, and love for you. And he's probably listening today. So hi there, Gideon. It's good to have you Amen. on. Um, if you had to just describe the church in a couple of words, how would you go about describing it? Um, so as the name implies, we focus very much on families. So mm. our, our church is, is uh, broadly representative of our country. Um, we we have about 350 members. Mm. We have a, a, a beautiful building where um, that was initially the Herformde Kerk mm. managed to, to, to purchase. And our, our church firmly believes in the preaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is, is everything. I do um, expository teaching, preaching. And uh, so it's very much Bible-based, and um, we f- we focus on keeping the family unit together, and um, and everything that the Bible stands for. Mm. We're very conservative as well, mm. you know. We we make sure that we have sh- suits and ties on in the Sunday morning mark. Wow! You know? We are dressed to the t- next even, level. Can you believe it? Even on even even with online services. Yeah. I make sure. Okay, I don't have spies. People have to take a selfie and submit it to the absolutely. elders. Absolutely. Before church starts, make sure that you are dressed up, not in your pajamas, Crystal not sitting in bed, at in the lounge, I at serve, the table. I serve at Crystal Park Baptist Church, Benoni, and I hope that my members are listening in today and taking notes. I expect selfies and full dress to the nines absolutely. this Sunday. Church will not start until I have all that information and we're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Crystal Park Baptist Church, Benoni, I see the uh, the first person to drop a comment on Facebook is Khachelo Pule. She says that she is looking forward to the conversation and that it is a pertinent topic. The word pertinent is our word for the day and Khachelo is a member at Crystal Park Baptist Church, Benoni. 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 Uh, shout out to Khachelo who's listening in. Andrew, brother, hey. friend, pastor, and doctor, do you want to give us your story summarized and description of the church that you serve and uh, and where you serve, where it is on a map? Sure. So I, as you probably hear from my accent, I grew up in the UK, right in the middle of the country in Staffordshire. So that's the Hobbit, the home of the Shires. <laughs> that's where I'm from. That's what Tolkien was thinking about when he wrote the book. It was the different shires around where I was. Um, went to university in St Andrews in Scotland just before Prince William arrived. I was checking the place out for him. I left and he arrived and then I went to Manchester to do my the finish of my clinical degree and stayed around there doing paediatrics for a few years and then got an opportunity to do a master's in public health which I decided to do by interning at a church in Johannesburg because it was an online master's so wow. I had a sponsorship from the UK government and they very kindly helped me um, volunteer at a church so I did volunteer two days a week and did my masters and then um, finished off did some HIV um, public health re- research while volunteering at the church and eventually the church said please come full time um, we, we need you and I was very passionate about heli- holistically I looked at public health medicine which looks at the population health and helping healing people's soul and spirit is also part of the, who the person is so I, I, I then Drifted, focused into that more than the, the medical body side and I've been in South Africa 12 years since I married a South African 
um, got two beautiful South African kids. Um, very happy here. Been in Hauteng for the last 12 years. And then just recently, I moved a year ago to take o- or take the leadership of God First Eastrand. And that's how I got to know Mark, who was the local pastor around the corner who welcomed me and was, um, and just, just before Christmas did a pulpit swap, actually. The two of us sort of went, spoke at each other's churches. Um, so yeah, it's been really great to get to know you, Mark. Thanks for your friendship in Benoni. Benoni doesn't have the reputation. It's due. It's a beautiful place. Like nice. It's, I used to live in four ways, full of traffic and rush. Benoni's chilled. It's great. I love it. One of the things that I love about you, brother, is just how focused on the city you are, how much you love the city and how you want to conquer the city for Jesus Christ. And uh, I've, uh, I've been encouraged by interacting with you. And uh, even before you, Malcolm, who was at the, in the pastorate at God First uh, uh, East Rand, uh, enjoyed friendship with him as well. And, uh, yeah, get, uh, I was saying to the guys as we were walking in, I basically get to interact with you almost every day. We we on WhatsApp together, and we. I think you're just lonely, aren't you, Mark? As well. <laughs> I thought it was the other way around, but okay. I mean, look, no one's judging. Before we get to to Wayne and uh, and hear his story, I do want to say hello to another listener who's listening in today. He says, "Good morning, yeah, get some." If you are a long time listener to Table Talk, you will know that that is none other than the Hagenator. Tyrell is listening in. And so, Hazard Tyrell, uh, I do miss you this morning. It was like mad sitting down, looking at all the screens and trying to remember what does what in here. I have no clue. There's like colors and uh, I miss your presence, brother. Um, I always enjoyed being interviewed by you. Uh, I enjoyed interviewing you last week and it is cool that you are listening in. That does remind me that we do have listeners that are listening in this morning. Uh, if you are listening, whether you are in the Ferris Cape or whether you are here in Gauteng and you are coming in via, uh, I don't know, radio or by via Facebook, I am very keen to hear where you are listening from. You can drop a comment on whichever medium you are listening in from. It would be wonderful to hear where you are from. Wayne, brother, how do I know you, and how long have I known you, and where do I know you from? Well, Mark, I think that this probably warrants an apology to your people, because the kind <laughs> of individual you are today is probably somewhat at, uh, you know, at um, our responsibility at our table. Uh, I think that we met somewhere along the line studying theology together and had uh, some very deep, sometimes heated uh, discussions, which we enjoyed. And the great thing about it was that we continue to be friends, you know, despite certain areas that we don't see 100% eye to eye on. You are um, so kind because you say we studied <laughs> theology together, but in truth, you were the teacher and I was the student. Yeah, I I, I don't ever want to stop learning, to be honest. And <laughs> so even that process, you know, uh, even as a teacher, you learn from your students. So uh, I particularly enjoyed that time. Of course, Brent Byers was involved in that uh, that process as, as well. Uh, those were discussions that uh, took place at... Santon Bible Church and you know just like Marlon I have no idea why they called it Santon Bible Church because it's not really in Santon it's more Randburgy and uh, to be perfectly uh, honest in Douglasdale uh, so probably should have been called Douglasdale Bible Church uh, again like, like Marlon I think the name kind of gives away where our emphasis is we want to focus on God's word and, and what it says and uh, allow that to be our guide 
um, in all aspects of life, including uh, this challenging time that we're going through now in the in the pandemic. Mm. I realize I didn't ask the question explicitly of Andrew in terms of describing your church in just a few words or a few sentences, but uh, but Wayne, if you had to describe Santon Bible Church in a few words, a few sentences, how would you do that? Yeah, um, I think perhaps you know the the best way is to uh, to talk about the purpose of our church. So we encourage believers to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, worshiping, walking, working, and witnessing together to God's glory and uh, we let people know right up front uh, that we want everyone to be involved in that process that if they're going to be members of Santon Bible Church they're going to be serving members of of Santon Bible Church Um, again I hope that the theme Bible comes through very strongly uh, because that's where the emphasis is so also expository teaching of uh, God's Word Uh, but really I think probably you know when I started off uh, I was very academic in my approach, spoke a lot of Greek in uh, in sermons, uh, and, and I still do to some extent, but have focused a lot more on the practical application of God's Word in uh, in recent years. Mm. Practical application of God's Word. I, I, I do hope that that comes across today as we talk about a subject which, mm. you know, with three doctors in the room, I, I guess you guys could be amongst yourselves really academic. I mean, you could take this to new levels of... Uh, of, uh, of 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 difficult for people to understand. Fortunately, I'm in the room and I hardly get any of this. So you're going to have to dumb it down for me at least. But in reality, I, I, I know that there are people listening in this morning who really want to understand how this world that we lived in, that we live in, it is so messed up. And how this virus relates to our belief, our belief in God, um, uh, how God relates to us and to this virus, um, guys. It, it's it's half past nine. Uh, I do want to say hi to a couple of people who have dropped comments uh, to Paula, to Franklin, to Barbara, and to Tracy Jane. Uh, the last part of the introductions, Andrew. Uh, if you had to describe God first in a few words, I mean, I could do it on your behalf, but let, let's rather have you do it. Well, it's so a little unusual in that we're reformed in our theology, so hold the doctrines of grace and high view of God's sovereignty, but also uh, charismatic and believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. Two sort of um, re- realms of churches don't normally overlap, but that's who our history. We've uh, part of a group of churches, 125 churches around the world in different continents, and um, uh, it's it's really nice to be in that blend. We're also the third thing we probably call ourselves is missional, and that we want to engage the city where we find ourselves and uh, reach people. God loves cities because that's where people are. God loves people, and so the city is uh, a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. It, it takes the best of God's creation, the worst of God's creation, and puts them in a big melting pot. And so we want to reach cities primarily because that's where culture is, where, how you influence and change. So that's really who we are. Great. Well, guys, uh, let me uh, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, at the beginning of the outbreak, um, I read a I read a book by John Piper. Uh, it was titled "Coronavirus in Christ." Uh, myself and Andrew have discussed it on and off over the last couple of months. Uh, some of the perceived shortfalls, some of the differences in theology, um, but they are because Piper just writes with a certain style. There are some quotable quotes in the book such as not one sparrow falls but by God's plan not one virus moves 
but by God's plan. This is meticulous sovereignty. No man can comfort our souls in this pandemic the way that God can. His comfort is unshakable. It is the comfort of a great high rock in the stormy sea, and it comes from his word, the Bible. Uh, I, I do love Piper's flowery use of terms <laughs> and his high theology and his biblical bent recognizing that uh, even around the table there might be a couple of different opinions in terms of of the quote and the context of the quote but but some of the elements that come out of there are sovereignty some of the elements that come out of that quote is comfort that comes from God some of the elements that come out of that quote is the Bible and the fact that our theology what we believe about God flows out of God's word and that's where I want us to start just as we talk about coronavirus in Christ uh, uh, rather than start with the medical stuff I'd like mm. us to start with the Bible and just talk a little bit around a biblical theology of sickness which I'm guessing you guys have thought about way deeper way longer uh, than I have and so um, I don't know who would like to kick us off Marlon uh, I can see you nodding your head yeah, uh, yeah talk about a, a theology yeah I think I think if for me everything comes down to the sovereignty of God everything stands or falls on it which means that bad things do happen and bad things do happen to God's people and this whole coronavirus and this whole global pandemic is part of God's plan for planet Earth. Um, God is in supreme, absolute and total control over every single thing that happens to us, including bad things. And everything that happens to us, good or bad, comes from God, passes by God's desk and is always for our good and for God's glory. We may not see it now as 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 our good we may not try and acknowledge it now when we see so much suffering and people passing away and even our own family members being affected by this pandemic but you cannot move one step further until we acknowledge that this is part of God's plan it doesn't make God a bad God it's who God is God is in control mm. um, God is aware of this this has not caught God by surprise this virus is not man-made this virus has nothing to do with anything. Yes, we can explain it biologically and academically and scientifically, but ultimately, my view is that it it comes from God. And God has a plan. God is dealing with mankind in His way, and my job is to work with that and and get our people to, to and preach it like that. Mm. And hear what is God's don't one sentence that I like to use is don't waste this pandemic. Mm. God has a plan for us. Don't waste your lesson that you're supposed to learn. Marlon, you're in practicing medicine. How does that view of the sovereignty of God work itself out in your day-to-day? So, so that's, that's what you try and get. If you do, if, let me put it like this. You're always going to be in a panic or stressed out situation if, if this is not what you believe. Mm. Because when you believe that God is sovereign and in control of this, there's a certain amount of peace that just comes over you. So I'm not going to lose sleep over this. If it's God's, if it's God's will for me to get it and to die from it, so be it. God is. We all have our appointed time. Now, when you get into discussions with patients and they see my my kind of understanding and my peace that I have about it, and they want to blame the devil and blame this and blame all sorts of things and blame man for creating the virus, 
I try and bring in a spiritual aspect, but I, you know, one has to be careful. If you if you sit in your doctor's seat and you're a doctor, that's primarily what you are. If they bring up a spiritual aspect, I can go down that mm. road. But um, there's a reasonable explanation for this, and the spiritual explanation fits my medical understanding and science and uh, uh, qualifications just perfectly. There's no there's no animosity between the two. I really like that. That's comforting for me as a person on the outside. Uh, hearing that from a medical opinion. Andrew, do you want to pick up biblical theology and, and maybe flesh out and talk around that topic? Yeah, I'd probably have a slightly different nuanced view to Marlon, but that's why we're all here and got different theologies and stuff. I mean, I definitely sovereignty of God is important. So, sovereign is someone who rules and reigns, and God is definitely in charge. And if he's not, then that's a worry because who do we pray to if someone's not in charge? And that's a huge thing. So um, I think that's hugely important but and but within a governance of, of anything things happen that is permissible or things are not permissible but it doesn't mean that everything originates from the rule or the sovereign so I, I I'm at a different opinion whether this came from God I think God permitted it and allowed it to happen because um, it is happening because he's in, he's in charge but you know what you see in the dynamics in scripture are different sources of, of illness and sickness you know and there's a whole range and it's difficult to pin things down and say I know exactly what because we see the devil putting sickness on people. We see Jesus healing uh, those oppressed by the devil. But at the same time, we see God sending sickness in the plagues of Egypt. And then in Revelation, we see sickness being sent by God. Then hum- humanity is the source of sickness originally. That Because of the fall of man, the disobeying God, decay came into the world. And the, the good things God created, like viruses and bacteria, which you know people are often surprised, what viruses are good? Well, everything was good originally. And 99% of viruses actually are important for our ecosystem. And there's only 1% of them that actually are pathogenic and cause disease and sickness. And this is a result of the fall. This is the, the creation was made perfect. And then man disobeyed God. And a consequence of that is that uh, things like virus and bacteria, some, a small percentage of them turn bad and cause sickness and death. And, and actually man spreads sickness, unfortunately, by our actions, our selfishness. You know, unfortunately, governments create viruses in 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 labs for for germ warfare and have them. And who knows whether they, this was created in and got out of a lab? We don't know. Or was it a natural virus that just genetically evolved? Or who, it's very difficult to pin, pinpoint. But I, what I do know is that God is good. And I think what really Marlon was saying was that you know what we can hold to is that God's purposes are, are true. He's a good God who loves His children and loves creation and and so if he's permitting this or this, even if it was sent by him, there is a purpose. It's good, and we can hold on to that knowing that God is in charge. And that, that that brings a lot of safety to me, knowing that we can pray to someone who has power to act and be in charge and in control. So that's maybe a little bit of nuance, maybe slightly different to Marlon, but very similar in many ways, mm-hmm. my, my view. of Papa, in a different place in the book, says that nothing surprises God. Mm-hmm. Nothing surprises him, nothing confuses him, nothing baffles him. His infinite power rests in the hands of an infinite, holy, and righteous, and good, and wise being. Um, yeah, powerful words. I, I, kind of on the track of what you were saying and where you were closing off. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's God is all-powerful. Mm. Well, Wayne, maybe you want to come in now. Yeah, I uh, I love the feedback from both, both uh, gentlemen. Uh, 
um, my my heart kind of resonates a lot with what uh, Andrew said. Um, you know, when I uh, first did my internship uh, at uh, the now, I'm going to embarrass myself with my terrible <laughs> pronunciation of Charlotte Makeke. But um, it was when pretty I, good. <laughs> that yeah, was pretty I, good. I well know. done. Well done. <laughs> Some of the listeners probably think shame that was a pitiful effort, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when I first did that, I met a guy called Steve uh, Ansel, uh, a brother in Christ. Um, and we spoke a little bit about, you know, our competence as medical doctors and how sometimes, and, you know, um, I'm sure that the other gentlemen have never made mistakes as doctors, but I certainly did. I, I say that tongue in cheek, of course, they know that they have. But there are times in medicine when you do everything by the book. And for some reason, the patient dies. And then there are other times when uh, you are negligent and the patient lives. And that's just a reminder that ultimately our lives are in God's hands, irrespective of what our, um, you know, where our views stand uh, regarding his sovereignty and its relationship to what's happening um, in the world right now. Um, I, I like the tack that Andrew took with, you know, some of the causes of uh, Sickness, uh, excellent article that I came across uh, from uh, Harvest Baptist Church in the States where they talk about three things. Uh, where, uh, why is there sickness? That obviously is the fall. Then what are the causes of sickness? Personal or uh, parental sin is the first one they identified and they give some uh, verses supporting that, including verses like James 5, verse 15 to 16. Paranormal activity. Uh, you can see that Baptist because everything has to start with the same letter, <laughs> right? <laughs> Talking about the influence of Satan or uh, or, or demons, and uh, certainly the Book of Job bears testimony to the reality that uh, he uh, is involved in uh, in illness. Uh, personal irresponsibility. Uh, that's one that probably is particularly pertinent at this time. But you know, mm. so when someone, for example, is told by a doctor that he needs to be on a certain Diet regimen, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, Prof. Harry Seft always used to call us uh, around the bedside, and then he'd say to the patient, "Do you smoke?" And the patient would say, "No." And then he'd call all the students together and say in his gruff voice, "He's lying," <laughs> um, because you could you you could tell that the person was a smoker, but having been told not to, he has to take some personal uh, responsibility for his his health as well. Then there's providential activity. And obviously in the Gospels, there are occasions where Jesus asks his, uh, where the disciples ask Jesus rather, why has this person uh, been born blind? You know, was it the sin of his parents? Was it personal sin? And he says, no, it's to glorify God. So there's that providential aspect. And uh, there are probably a number of others that uh, the other guys and some of the listeners could identify. Uh, but yeah, I think that the causes of uh, ill health uh, are quite broad. Uh, many times we agonize over what it was that caused ill health uh, rather than relying on the one that can help us through that uh, by his grace. Uh, and the reality is that sometimes we just won't know why, uh, why someone is in fact ill. You know, the, one, one of the things I like about the way that Baptists make the first letter start of yeah. each point is I can remember personal, providential, and paranormal. What was that first one again? Yeah, so that's personal or parental sin ah, parental, uh, that's yes. involved. The paranormal would have been the spiritual uh, activity. 
personal irresponsibility. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then the providential activity. Very helpful because you know sometimes that uh, when we're trying to figure out why is this happening to me, we become very myopic in terms of the solutions that we come up with yeah. as to why we are suffering or why we are going through personal calamity. It's it's wise to look at God's word and recognize the diversity of first causes. Marlon, just to talk about uh, bringing this the personal uh, responsibility and what your responsibility. Some of my patients, you know, you'll say, you know, I'm sorry to say, but you, you have diabetes, mm. and they'll jump up. I rebuke that. I rebuke that. I, be, I rebuke Satan. This is not. I say no, no, no. Don't rebuke Satan. You the one that doesn't want to gym. You the one that doesn't want to mm. stop eating. You the one that is gaining weight. Why are you now? So that's the personal, personal aspect mm. yes. of. Uh, uh, where patients just don't want to take responsibility for their actions and hence lands, land up in a situation where they do get to. I mean, I don't want to complicate the conversation too much, but even on the way here, Andrew, you and I were talking about uh, sometimes these causes being personal, sometimes them being providential, and sometimes them being a mix of the two. Mm. You know, personally, I didn't go to gym, but providentially, I am now sick. Um, <laughs> you know, and yeah. But even with diabetes, there's, there's different types. I mean, there's, you know, they heard the type one, the type two. Type one is an autoimmune attack. So somehow your immune system attacks the very cells in the islets in the pancreas that are meant to produce insulin. And then type two, it's, a, it's called a lifestyle disease. It's you're you're eating so much sugar and gaining so much. It's, it's truncal obesity, really. This is it's fat around the. Um, the belly area that resists insulin so your body needs more and more insulin eventually these little islet cells in the pancreas get exhausted and say we're giving up <laughs> we can't produce enough insulin for your ravenous hunger for processed carbohydrates so even within di diabetes you've got two different causes of, of, of what we call the same illness it's a, a it's a shortage of insulin one is caused by autoimmune attack and it the body attacking itself the other is purely you're fully responsible for diabetes. There's no way that type 2 diabetes has got anything to do with other than your own sort of, as you say, what you reap, what you reap what you sow. So, guys, I, I want us to shift gears, but I want to give you enough time to, to think through what I'm asking. Um, we, we've kind of spoken about a biblical theology of sickness. I, I do want to ask the question because it is it is relevant, and some people will be sitting struggling in the midst of difficulty right now they've lost a job because of this pandemic maybe they've lost a family member because of this pandemic maybe they've lost their health because of this pandemic and they are wondering well what possible point could god have in bringing this in this world why the, the big why question um uh, Piper gives um, gives gives two hooks that we can maybe begin by talking around. What God is doing in the coronavirus is showing us graphically, painfully, that nothing in this world gives the security and satisfaction that we find in the infinite greatness and worth of Jesus. In a different place, he says, the reason God makes calamity the occasion for offering Christ to the world is that the supreme, all-satisfying greatness of Christ shines more brightly when Christ sustains joy in the midst of suffering. A little bit of paraphrasing going on there when I was uh, reading. Um, but as you as you think through the, the why question and your response to the why question, let me just say and remind the 
the listeners um, who is on today. Uh, we are talking about coronavirus in Christ. Um, with me, we have Pastor Dr. Friends, um, Marlon McKay, Andrew Butterworth, and Wayne Gordon, uh, who are talking both from a pastoral perspective as well as from a medical perspective um, with their life knowledge um, to what is going on in this pandemic. And I, I do want to greet the listeners that have said hi on various channels, including, I think, Twitter. Uh, my eyes are so bad, I can't see what this little icon is in the top left-hand corner. But um, Belinda and Nikki and Valerie, Thomas, Paula, um, Linda, as well as Peta, I want to say hi to you guys. Thank you for dropping comments. Uh, and you guys are literally listening from all over the country. It is so fascinating um, seeing the diversity of the listenership this morning. Um, and and listeners, even as you are listening in on, on what the good doctors are saying, uh, you might very well have questions that you want to ask. I know I've got questions I want to ask, like should I take the vaccine, God willing, before the end of uh, 11 o'clock we will get to the answer to that question um, but but I have no doubt that if you are listening in you have questions and you would like to ask them you're welcome to drop them in the comments on Facebook I should be able to see them I will try and bring them in I'm busy trying to figure out how the systems will work here um, but via WhatsApp on 082 657 via SMS on 37817 uh, 37871 Table Talk and on phone via 012-334-1322 and so we're going to get to that why question um, who's going to get us started Marlon why I th- what I try and encourage our people is to change the question from why to what is God trying to show me mm-hmm. Because if you get stuck on the why question, Job Job and his friends asked the why question, the whole book of Job. Job never got his answer. Mm. You're never going to get an answer. Keep your why question for wonder when we're in heaven. We can ask God that. Yeah. But for now, you have to trust him. Maybe just bring out, um, f- most listeners I'm sure will be aware of the book of Job. They'll be aware that Job went through calamity. Uh, you might want to just describe that. They'll be aware that Job had three friends and they were at times spotting the money and they were at times very unhelpful in what they had to say. Do you want to just, do you want to just bring that out? Because I think your answer is, is wise. Yeah, so, so I've actually preached a sermon when calamity strikes. Mm. You know, um, our nephew was killed suddenly in a in a, in a car accident mm. uh, the Friday and Sunday. I had to preach. I I, ju- I diverted from my expository teaching to try and explain this very question. And 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 I'll just summarize the lesson about the Book of Job. And lesson number one that I preached: the Book of Job affirms the biblical fact that calamity can strike God's people. Just because you are Christian does not mean that we are immune from from suffering or from calamity. Book of Job affirms the biblical fact that I think we covered this. Satan is not in charge of calamity. The biblical, the Book of Job also uh, affirms the fact that God is in control of everything. We've covered that too, including bad things, including com- calamity. It also uh, affirms the fact that people can offer us bad or incorrect advice mm. when we are going through difficult times. Oh, there must be sin in your life. You must have done something horrible to to deserve such a crisis or to des- deserve lo- losing your job. Um, and all Job's friends, that's exactly what they tried to do. Um, 
the book of Job also reminds us that even blameless Christians, Christians who are living a godly life, can doubt God and question God. And it's a legitimate thing if you go through a personal crisis, the loss of a loved one. How can a loving God allow something like this to happen? But again, we have to remind ourselves and go back to point number three, that God is in supreme control of, of, of everything, including calamity. And so finally, also the book of Job reminds us of how to, how to respond when we're going through calamity. Mm. That who are we as God's created beings to question our creator? Why? Someone listening to you right now um, is going through a difficult time. Here's you talking about the book of Job says, I, I, should, I should go and read that. How long will it take them to read it roughly from start to finish? day or so it's a long book okay so put some time aside read the book of job it will minister to your soul do you want to hand over the baton to andrew and just uh, andrew do you want to continue the conversation regarding what is god what is god achieving over this period of history sure it's a really important thing to i mean when the when the pandemic first struck i think it was the most important question people were asking is like why is this happening it wasn't what we were expecting at all i mean mm. people started going in new year's thinking 2020 is going to be a great year 20 plenty <laughs> <laughs> and then start a new decade and everything and then suddenly everything changed mm. i mean it's 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 so unusual for uh, a medical illness to to change world economies, to grip nations, to change politicians' agendas, to change families' uh, plans and all these sort of things. So it really one of those moments when the world stood still and just asked what's going on. And you only really look back in history to 100 years ago with the Spanish flu in 1918 was there something similar. So we've got 100 years really of of not having a, a major worldwide pandemic. And I remember WHO was sort of, no, it's not a pandemic yet, it's not a pandemic, and then, okay, it's a pandemic. and it's affected all areas of life. So of course you then have to process that. And as Christians, we want to process through a Christian worldview and think through what's going on here and through the different tensions of, of saying, look, it, it, is this something God has sent? Is this something he's permitted? Is this something the enemy has attacked the world in? Is this through human negligence? Is this through collective uh, responsibility of not being prepared for this? You know, there's all sorts of questions people ask, but it always comes down to the individual level pastorally is that you know, you're pastoring a group of people and then someone gets sick or dies, which mm. we've had in our congregation. And then it becomes a lot less philosophical and theological, it becomes very much more personal. Mm. And that's what I, I also love the book of Job. It's what's amazing about that is that here you've got this this righteous guy who the enemy says to God, I want to attack him and you know, it, it's a test. Uh, he's only doing loves God or loves was worshiping you because you made his life great. So what if that changes? And God said, okay, I mean, let's see what happens. And, you know, he loses everything, his children, his property. And, and then and then God says, see, look, he still worships me. And saying, ah, but if we inflict him with a disease and if his life is threatened, then he'll, he'll respond. And he doesn't. He stays faithful and true to God. And the best thing I love about his advisors, they come and for seven days they say nothing. They, they bring their presence without a word and some of the best ways pastoral you can respond to people going through suffering is just to be with people mm. just to sit with them and not ask the why and I think they get into trouble once they start once the seven days are up <laughs> of silence mm. and then they start sort of philosophizing and, and all sorts and uh, and Job actually gets quite irritated because it's they seem to lack the empathy they showed in the initial part 
just seems to disappear and he almost feels attacked and they're, they're putting their theologies onto him which doesn't seem right and in the end god vindicates job and says, job is correct job please pray for your friends hmm. and it's a, it's a really powerful narrative that really but what it teaches you is if people go through suffering let's speak less let's be present with people empathize what they're get alongside them and you're right the the why questions aren't necessarily the questions to deal with in that moment it's the how can we care for this person how can we love people so i, I think the answer to the question is what is what's what do we take from this pandemic that as, as follows the christ we must do it's we must get alongside people who suffer or we must care and show the love of christ to people and maybe god is using this pandemic to draw people closer to each other to allow God's church to to reach those that uh, are hurting and isolated, you know, all sorts of things that come out through this pandemic. One of the things is that we we live very busy lives, and we didn't really stop and think. We've had a lot more time in lockdown to ask the big questions of life, to say what's really important to us, have a lot more time with our families. And I think when I look back on the last year and a bit, I think being able to stop and ask those questions and to connect with our loved ones in, in a powerful way has been one of the things I've taken out of the, the pandemic. It's, it's caused me to stop and think, really. Hmm. Yeah, great, great observation, Andrew. I, I think that I've found that that is probably the most problematic uh, issue in times of suffering, is that we talk too much and we want to philosophize and um, we aren't there enough for people just supporting them, encouraging them, saying to them very simply, I'm here for you. Mm. Uh, that's all I'm telling you. I'm praying for you, mm. um, etc. Um, the other thing that I've seen is that, you know, often during these times uh, with a pandemic, I think a lot of people have asked the question, you know, what is God trying to teach Mark? Uh, <laughs> or what's he trying to teach Andrew or Marlon? But they aren't asking that question for themselves. And so they, they're missing out on a really vital uh, learning opportunity. And, you know, I have a list of things here um, that I could have stolen from Harvest Baptist Church as well. And I'm happy to share them uh, with anyone who's interested in that. Um, I don't know how they'd get get hold of us, Mark, if they want to do that. But oh, We'll a, discuss contact details uh, toward the end. It's a really, really good article. But... Um, I mean, I've I've lost both my parents in the last uh, three or four years, and uh, my mom had a massive uh, vascular malformation on her brain, which just grew. This was a godly uh, woman, loved the Lord. Um, I always say that you know uh, she had such a massive influence on me coming to Christ because she was the most Christ-like person I ever knew. Um, but when when she was going through the process of dying. Uh, I thought to myself as she lay there on her bed in nappies, um, suffering and struggling, why doesn't the Lord just take her home at this point in time? And it, I, I, I was asking the why questions and not the Marlin question of what is God trying to teach you? Hmm. Um, and then I realized the reason my mom was being uh, kept around by the Lord in that moment was not as much for her own benefit as it was for mine. Mm. And uh, it's, you know, when you see um, someone that you love struggling like that, um, it's it's hard to see what God is doing in them at that moment. And who knows? I mean, he knows wh why those things happen at that point in time. But for me, it was to learn compassion. It was to learn humility. Uh, when you go full circle and you change your parents' nappy, that's mm. a humbling thing. Mm. And um, 
And yes, as I look back at that, I really believe that that was part of what God was teaching me in that that process. Uh, the why questions overwhelm the what is God teaching me questions, but we should be asking what is God teaching me. You know, there's a there's a number of common elements between what all three of you have said, um, and and actually Wayne, your your last comments really struck home. Um, my wife's father passed away in the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went through much of what you're just describing right now over a very short space of time, mm. um, and 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 yes, uh, there's, there's such a there's such a complexity when it comes to God. Um, I, I guess there is a danger of over personalizing the moment that we're in, um, uh, but there certainly is wisdom in looking for application in the midst of life. We're coming up for 10 o'clock. We are going to take a break and we are going to be listening to Janine sing Redeemer of My Heart. Well, again, you are listening to Radio Pulpit uh, 657 AM and Radio Cape Pulpit 729. We are entering into the second hour of Table Talk with me, Mark Penrith. Uh, and this morning we are um, met by three panelist guests, uh, Drs. Marlon McKay, uh, Drs. Andrew Butterworth, and Drs. Wayne Gordon. Um, all three of them are pastors at local churches, at local Bible teaching churches. Um, all three of them are uh, formally trained in the medical field. Um, and I would encourage you to go and listen to the beginning of the podcast or however you might access um, the conversation in order to hear their pedigree. We are very grateful to have all three of you guys on today. As we enter into the second hour, we're going to be shifting gears a bit and talking around some of the questions that have been raised both by listeners um, and in preparation um, for uh, this morning. Um, some of the questions around coronavirus, um, around things like vaccine, around things like treatment, around things like some of the really bad YouTube videos that we have been <laughs> seeing doing the rounds, um, and uh, and just asking you guys to to address uh, a number of questions. I, I do want to encourage listeners if you are listening in and you have a question, I will do and endeavour to get them in on the show. You can do that by sending WhatsApps. And uh, I, I do want to apologize to everyone who's been sending in WhatsApps. Uh, there was a whole host of WhatsApps that came in, and I didn't realize that there was a second tab that I needed to click in order to see them. Uh, I can't greet you all by name because I don't see names. I only see telephone numbers, and I don't think I'm allowed to say those on air. Um, but I will try and bring your questions in, both from WhatsApp as well as from Facebook. The WhatsApp number is 82 SMS is 37871 Table Talk and phone is 012-334-1322. You can drop comments into Facebook as well. Um, let's start off with a, a question that uh, that came in during the preparation. It's a it's a general question regarding lockdowns and. Uh, uh, the appropriateness of lockdowns to pan- to pandemics. Do, do lockdowns actually work? So I'll, I'll kick off. So the reason that a lockdown was necessary is that not because it's the, the way to fight a pandemic. 
is the problem is this this virus was unknown at the time it was rapidly transmissible far more than flu it was more deadly than flu and so it was unknown so the right response from government was to say this is an actually a world crisis we need to lock down and we need to give our hospitals breathing room to and space to accommodate this and this is why in south africa there's no alcohol because most um hospitals get filled up through the trauma center through alcohol related crimes or alcohol related incidents and actually no alcohol means there's the the hospitals can get a breather the lockdown um was a, unable to give hospitals time to prepare for the virus so it was a, it was a totally appropriate response a lot of countries around the world are doing and it does reduce transmission we saw the evidence is that the transmission dropped rapidly during the lockdown now as a government you've got to base you've got to pan that against the economy and the effect on the economy so I'm, I'm much happier at this type of lockdown now where the economy is open but we're still uh, we're locking down socially I, the church topic is a different topic and that's, that's why I won't get into that one but from, a, from an epidemiological point of view locked, lockdown was the right decision by the government uh, I do think the economy based lockdown we're in now is a lot better option but we didn't know that at the time so I think at the time we were just trying to figure things out but certainly it was um, the right thing to do by the government and it's the right thing as citizens to obey those lockdowns now and uh, we're helping our hospitals we're not doing it for ourselves well we are a little bit but we're doing it really for those hard-working doctors and nurses and paramedics that where hospitals are chock-a-block and we're just giving them space to breathe and capacity so that when people do get really sick and need ICU there is space in beds for them I just want you to underline something that you said you said it is the right thing for citizens to so as citizens to do in uh, being obedient to the government so as Christians we were told in Romans we were to obey the governing authorities to pray for them and to be in obedience to them and so the the law is the law we must obey the law and that's our job as citizens to do that Marlon you are shaking your head vigorously uh, to the left of Andrew do you want to just come no, in and weigh in I'm shaking in agreement absolutely. Yes. and I'm balancing <laughs> this out with from a medical and a spiritual point of view yes um, you have to you have to understand the science behind this. Mm. You have to you have to and you have to balance out balance it out with what Scripture says, and and we must be we are in subjection to to the rule of the day and to the government of the day, and and the go the government's motive is absolutely correct to protect our people, and we as pastors must must be at the forefront of doing that. God forbid that someone comes to church that we are so irresponsible and having our churches open and someone gets COVID and dies from that. So so I have no problem, no problem whatsoever closing my church and making sure that I can I have the service from my home with my family and my church members sending their selfies in to show that they are part of the service, dressed up and ready to have it. It's, it's the right thing to do. Maybe I should point out I, I didn't choose... Dr. Pastor Friends uh, uh, that held to a very specific uh, group. You are the only doc Dr. Pastor Friends I have. And so I invited all of you onto one radio show. So we are now going to hear like a full panel view of, uh, of everyone that I know that I kind of trust and love and that are both doctors and pastors um, give their view. Wayne, you're going to weigh in third. Um, yes, lockdowns, sure. do they work? Well, I, you know, I agree with what's been said uh, by the other guys. I just want to point out we're probably the only friends you have, not just the only <laughs> Dr. Pastor friends you have. But I want to, I want to piggyback on uh, something that Andrew said, you know, because if there's something that's 
uh, infuriated me is probably the right way to put it uh, during the course of this pandemic is that this is not as bad as the flu <laughs> or this is just like the flu. I just want to share some figures with people in case they, they, they're interested. Um, so uh, comparing by peak weeks, this is all United States. Um, and, and this has changed, by the way. It's, it's worse now than it was before. If you're following trends, and I'm not one of those voyeurs who uh, looks at these things on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, but in the United States over the last five days, I believe on each of those days, they've had 4,000 deaths a day, uh, which is obviously substantial. But peak weeks, um, COVID-19, uh, mid-April 2020, 15,000 cases. Uh, flu, November 2019, 750. So just by, by peak week numbers. Total deaths, uh, four months, March to June, 121,000 from COVID, uh, between uh, a third and half of that uh, in, a, in double the period uh, from uh, flu. And then hospitalization rates, COVID-19, uh, 30 out of 100,000, uh, flu 1.3 out of 100,000. Mm. Um, the the uh, thing that people love to talk about is that 99% of people recover. That's nonsense. 99% of people might not die, but that's not the same as recovery. Mm. And depending on which studies you look at, there is a large percentage of people that are left with long-term consequences from this illness. So it is not a matter of just fobbing it off. Oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to die uh, if I'm exposed to this. I'm young. Um, there are there are studies that show uh, the long-term impacts and consequences on people in their 30s and 40s as well. So please, you know, just put aside the falsehood that this is anything like the flu. It's infinitely worse than the I know, flu. It's crazy because. Um the flu is it, it does affect the population as deaths, but it's generally the older population who are who are heading towards death and may have died anyway. And then flu is the final. With with this COVID nineteen, it's far more um, weirder as a as a disease because it it seems to just randomly hit young healthy people just spontaneously. Just last week, I think, or two weeks ago, there was. Um, a congressman in the states about to become a congressman for the first time, age forty-one, mm. and he just died. Mm. I mean, Mark was saying that there's there's people who know that died age thirty-five. It's 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 not like the flu in this sense. It's picking off people uh, across the country of uh, healthy people we wouldn't expect to die, and that's why it's important to take this seriously. It's it's very different. Both the flu is caused by a virus, and COVID nineteen is caused by a virus, but they're very different viruses, and we've got to really take that to heart. Mm. I mean, talking about lockdown and talking about the government's response, um, probably the most visible um, emblem of uh, this pandemic is uh, the masks that we are all wearing. Uh, when we go out, when we go to restaurants, we get to remove them while we eat our food. We wear them when we run around our block. Um, these masks are, are on all the time. They're prolific. Everyone's wearing them. I'm seeing even DK at the moment sitting behind the controls is laughing in a mask. Are these masks effective? Uh, uh, is there any point to them? Um, why are they being promoted and propagated to such an extent? Yeah, I think there's, the science is absolutely clear. 
one of the most important ways of, of, of prevention of spread of this illness is social distancing wearing I talk about the four the four four W's wear your mask, wash your hands, uh, watch your distance. I'm I'm not a Baptist by the way. <laughs> 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 wear wear your mask, watch your distance, wash your hands and keep your windows open. Mm. It's a respiratory illness. So mm. it's spread through your respiratory fluids. Mm. And so if you can prevent them from leaving your mouth or prevent them from entering, mm. a mask is absolutely essential. No question about it. Mm. Um, j- just r- repeat those W's again so that I have them fixed in my mind. Uh, Dr. Marlin's four W's and three C's. <laughs> Wear your mask. Wear your mask. So that would be, I mean, when we talk about a mask, are there particular types that we it's should be wearing? Uh, well, you know, um, being medical, I stick to the this and the and the surgical mask is the only two masks I wear. Mm, you know, mm. I try and avoid the uh, the homemade ones, but okay. some people can't afford it. But a mask is a mask. At least three layers. Piece three of cloth ply. that covers your mouth and your nose. Yeah, so, you know, that's debatable as well. As long as I think it's a three three layered uh, um, okay uh, mask. So wear your mask, wash your hands, or sanitize. Okay. Right. So, and so what are the hands that they've been talking so about like a certain amount of yeah. time? So the, the, the rule is you sing happy birthday through twice. <laughs> <laughs> I did that on TV once and everyone started wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> but well, happy time, birthday, Martin. Ti- thank you very much. The time it takes to wash your hands yeah. is the time it should take to wash. To, to, uh, um, the time it takes to sing happy birthday through twice is how long. Okay. And you just have to be in a men's room. You can see how little time. Yes. Just a few drops of water, and it's the rubbing, or every single part of your fingers and okay. your hands, and then watch your distance. We talk about social distancing, at least minimum one point five to two meters apart. Okay. Okay, and and then the um, the keeping the windows open. Okay, That's so the windows so of the taxis and cars. Absolutely, and even in your office, I consult with my windows open. Okay. Through winter and summer. How, how so, does that so help? So the, the highest risk situation, so when you talk about being exposed to, to, co- to, to the SARS-CoV-2 virus, is in a situation where you are close to somebody, less than two meters, you do not have your mask on, it's a closed space, and you're more than 15 minutes. That is an absolute recipe for disaster for, for, for transmission of, of SARS-CoV-2. So if you can break that cycle, you eliminate or lower the risk of transmission of, of, of virus. Mm, excellent. Yeah. Uh, you said three C's, so you had four W's and three C's. Yeah. What so are the three so C's? Avoid uh, closed spaces. Yeah. Avoid close faces and crowded spaces. Okay. Or crowded places. So avoid crowded places. Yes. Close faces. Yes. And closed spaces. Okay. Helpful. Andrew, anything to add, brother? Um, no, I think that's that's really helpful. I d- I don't think add anything on that okay look um a, a number of questions the questions are actually pouring in now um thank you so much to the listeners that are obviously interested in the topic that we're going through and, and folk just to recognize that that some folk that are even listening in this morning are are deeply affected um by this pandemic have loved ones and friends uh, that are even sick right now as we speak and and uh, just please know that even as we talk about this um, sensitive to the fact that this does cut very very close to home for many people 
Um, Wayne, a, a question that's come through, and, and just as I, I think of the folk that, that might be able to answer this, um, you, you stand out. Um, some premillennialist Christians, now I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about eschatology, but these would be um, believers that see a pre-tribulation rapture of the church and then see a, a millennial uh, sorry, a tribulation period and then the second coming of Christ. Some premillennialist Christians actually believe that the vaccine could be the mark of the beast. Funnily, Tyrell suggested that we uh, that we call um, the the show <laughs> Mark from the East, but it was <laughs> it was uh, it was just too close uh, to Revelation thirteen. Um, uh, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No. <laughs> uh, I know that that's a um, you know that that's a quick um, response, and it's not coming with a lot of, a lot of explanation. But I think that there is adequate uh, information in Scripture regarding the mask, uh, the mark of the beast, and uh, um, what that uh, will be given for, and what you'll be hindered from having as or not having as a result of. Uh, having that uh, mark, but it certainly isn't the mark of the beast. Besides, as we look, and I'm sure that uh, my medical colleagues will speak uh, more about the vaccines, uh, but something good is actually going to come from uh, these vaccines uh, for humanity in terms of uh, protecting us and um, and others. Um, and uh, so this is certainly not uh, something that has a lot of common ground with uh, the mark of the beast as described in uh, scripture. I did notice that there was um, uh, another part of that question that you didn't address Mark uh, which spoke about fertility issues related to vaccines and I just want to uh, respond very quickly to that as well. Uh, There is no concern regarding that uh, whatsoever, there is some protein cross reactivity with the spike protein on the coronavirus and the placenta, uh, but it is minuscule in its commonality, and our body is clever enough to be able to discern the difference between a placenta and um, something that's been introduced as part of a vaccine. Mm. Well, that particular question that came in um, basically introduced the topic of uh, vaccines and of vaccination um it was it was quite a long question it was uh, a you know paragraph with uh, with a number of sentences in it and i'm just trying to break it down uh, over a couple of questions but 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 staying around around the whole question of the vaccine after we move past the mark of the beast and i think that's that's probably typical of some of the YouTube clips that I've seen doing the rounds on uh, WhatsApp and uh, and other social media, but but once we kind of move that to the side, uh, a very real concern, um, an ethical concern, is often raised uh, amongst believers um, regarding the ingredients of the vaccine itself, and 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 often the conversation is around uh, the use of aborted fetuses, uh, and uh, I mean this is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, how do vaccines let's just remember we're not talking to medical doctors and i'm not a medical doctor so so help me out here what is actually in the vaccine that will come to south africa and i'm I'm asking the question recognizing that different vaccines go all over the place Mm. and a particular vaccine will be hitting the south african shores can you in 
in layman's terms, explain what's going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Andrew uh, to step in and and begin that conversation. Sure. So just a you got to remember the history of vaccines is they've been around for 200 years. So the, a guy called Edward Jenner discovered that milkmaids didn't get uh, TB because they got cowpox. Um, and they didn't get smallpox, sorry, because they got pa- cowpox, which is a, a similar version to smallpox. And this was huge because smallpox at the time was killing people all over. And what he did the brave thing of taking a little bit of the pus of, a, a, of the cowpox and giving, giving it to someone to see if that then... Um, so train the body to recognize the pox virus and and it amazingly it did so and ever since then we've been looking at ways to introduce the body a small part of a virus or bacteria or a a, a, what's called an attenuated version where you take the bacteria or the virus you make it weaker and weaker and weaker till it's and then introduce the body a little bit in advance so that when the real thing comes along the body goes ha i recognize this i know it and know how to kill it and really vaccines is that whatever you're doing you're trying to elicit an immune response and train the immune system to recognize something really deadly and over this generation there's been uh, the, the vaccine technology has grown and grown and grown until recently we've got these newer vaccines so the the the, the old ways take a, a live version and make it uh, weaker and weaker and weaker and inject that and so that was along the lines of the Edward Jenner and the um, the, the cowpox smallpox thing and then they found a way well actually we can, we can you don't have to risk giving someone a live vaccine I'd, I'd live polio vaccine as a kid but now when you have polio vaccine it's not live it's a dead part of the virus that elicits immune response and so that's second generation vaccines but now we've reached the amazing thing of a third generation vaccine where you don't even have to give a dead part of the virus you just give something that allows a human body to create that protein that recognizes it and this is where we're at now with the vaccines of, for this pandemic there's two different main types there's a dna vaccine there's an, a messenger rna vaccine in south africa we'll be getting the dna vaccine but a lot of the focus in social media has been around RNA and M messenger RNA those are the ones that have been given in the UK and uh, America at the moment but it's actually a bit of a mute point because we're not getting those ones we're going we're going to be getting the DNA vaccine well you raise something that is so important Andrew that uh, I mean a lot of the information that we're watching and reading is related to vaccines that are going to different places in the world whether it be like Sputnik 5 or you know whatever Um, and in actual fact it's not related to the vaccine which is going to be coming onto South African shores the the 200 million or no not 200 million I now sound like an American president you got got 20 Um, million 20 million sounds a little bit better yeah Yeah, 20 million doses coming our way um, the actual vaccine that's coming to South Africa that, that we need to be um, sensitizing ourselves to and, and understanding, wrapping our minds around to one degree or another. Uh, can you describe that then in, so in my understanding, more detail? And open the correction is we're getting the AstraZeneca vaccine developed in Oxford. So it's called the Oxford vaccine or the AstraZeneca one. It's uh, based around a, an adenovirus which has been, which houses a bit of DNA and then the idea is that that adenovirus is uh, given to us it just infects a few local cells which and then that dna raises a protein which then um then those that protein gets trained immune response to the spike protein of the coronavirus you know when you see the picture of the coronavirus it's like a sphere there's spike things coming out mm. it's that we're go- we're going to be developing or raising a immune response to that spike protein and so 
that that's how the vaccine will work. It will cause immune response. And people freak out about DNA because they're saying, well, hang on a minute, you're, you're going to give me DNA. But uh, this DNA goes nowhere near the nucleus. It doesn't change our DNA. It's just DNA is a means of creating proteins in the body. That's all. Mm. And so it's just a way of creating a protein in a, in a cell which then trains immune, uh, the immune system to attack and to recognize the virus. So is this dangerous? Yes. I so and, and this is the big thing everyone's asking you know does it contain this and is it going to change my dna no 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 and yeah. the vaccines are not arriving here mm. freshly made mm. and then we are going to be the guinea pigs for the vaccine the vaccines have gone through all the rigorous phases three phases of testing mm. testing for safety testing for efficacy in other words does it work and is it safe it's already passed that the fact that it is now available for commercial use or for public use it's already past that. Mm. So we can confidently line up for the vaccine. It's not being tested on, on Africa. It's not being dumped in Africa now and just, you know, we're not, it's not changing your DNA. There's no microchip in there. There's no fetal tissue in there. It's safe. And, mm. it's, and it works. It's been proven to work. That is why it is now available. It's, it's actually been tested in the, the wealthier parts of the world first. You know? Yes. Mm. And we should be thanking those <laughs> volunteers for doing that. Hence, we can we have access to it now. So, just as a as a soundbite, Marlon, you said we can confidently line up mm. to take that, and I'll be first in line. I just made a video clip. Mm. I'll be first in line to take that vaccine because the the data is so clear that they are both safe and effective in preventing it. And the more the more South Africans who do the same thing and follow that example, the more it's protective for our country because of this concept known as herd immunity if mm -hmm. i only take it i'm protecting myself if all of us take it we're protecting our country mm. because there'll be fewer infections and then we can start talking hopefully one day of wearing less masks because there is enough protection in the community so the word herd immunity has come up um i'm just thinking of a news report that i that I heard around the magic number of 60% um, and there is a question regarding catching coronavirus more than once or twice mm. and how long these things work for. I just want to hear because we've heard from Dr. Andrew Butterworth and we have heard from Dr. Marlon McKay. Mm. Dr. Wayne Gordon, mm. do you want to weigh in on the topic so far yeah, regarding vaccines? 100%. I mean, I agree with uh, everything the guys have said. Uh, with regards to herd immunity, any serious uh, scientist has completely poo-pooed a notion that uh, was originally on the board that 20% of the population needed. So that's patently false. Uh, in fact, uh, someone called it pixie dust. Um, so you certainly can't aim for something that low. 60% uh, is probably also fairly um, low, probably closer to 70 plus percent. Uh, that is required if you chose the herd immunity option. Now, to try to go for herd immunity without a vaccine in place is potentially catastrophic. If you work on those numbers in the American population, for example, and you are hoping on herd immunity to solve your problem, you're going to have um, over the time period to the point where you get to herd immunity, and I need to qualify that, you're going to have a million deaths. Um, in America. That's a substantial number of people that die before you supposedly arrive at herd immunity. The problem, as you pointed out, Mark, is unless you have a vaccine, the natural immunity that you generate from an exposure to the coronavirus is temporary. It isn't lasting. And there are people that are getting reinfected 
with coronavirus two to three months uh, down the line. So the reality is that if you do the exercise of trying to um, create herd immunity, irrespective of your setting, there are going to be a number of unnecessary deaths and then you're going to have to go through that entire process again. Uh, there was a country in Europe, Sweden, who tried the herd immunity approach and as a result of that, the number of deaths per capita were over four times their surrounding Nordic neighbours. So uh, that is not an option to pursue. So, Andrew, so just to clarify, because there is, there's the, we're aiming for herd immunity, mm. but there's also sure. a government policy of herd immunity where it's herd immunity only. Just let the virus get through mm. the population and then eventually everyone's immune. You're saying that, that that policy isn't the best way, but with vaccines, we'll achieve that result. Correct. So, yeah, Correct. I just want to clarify Thanks. the difference. Thanks, yeah. you know, You know, guys, it is half past 10, uh, just after half past 10, and uh, even as uh, even as we, we reach the last half an hour of the show, I, I'm just aware, because the questions are flooding in, that, that it's going to be completely impossible to get to every single question that folk have have asked um, both on WhatsApp and on Facebook, and so if you are listening in, I I, I do apologise for that, and uh, I do hope that you go and find a trusted source of information and get good information. But there there are some questions that we that we can deal with uh, still in the time that is remaining, and so as the the panel weighs in on topics, the one the one question that has come in over and over again is related to a. Uh, a, a news article that I've seen uh, I, I don't know if this is a, a new drug uh, guys I'm the worst medical person in the world I kind of visit a GP once every four or five years and I'm not just saying I kind of I'm talking across my family we don't get sick very ill and when we do we normally just suffer at home um, and so uh, I, I don't follow these things too closely but but a question has come up and I might not even get the, the spelling of this sure. right it's Ivor, I think he's thinking of ivermectin. So. Ivermectin. Yeah. See, I, I made it sound a little bit Russian, um, but w which is uh, ivermectin sounds far more medical. Um, uh, is this like the wonder drug, uh, the solution, the be-all, the end-all, the silver bullet so, so, um, so let, to everyone's problems? Let me tell you what it is. So it's an anti-parasite medication, okay? And it's on the list of WHO essential medicines. Okay. It has been shown to inhibit uh, the COVID-19 growth in vitro, which means in a lab, in a test tube. Um, it's caused a 5,000 times reduction in virus numbers at 48 hours with a single treatment. So you're thinking this is amazing. Um, but unfortunately, currently, it's not legal to be taken in South Africa. It's not even um, uh, anti-parasite medication for human consumptions. And the SAHPRA, with the South Africa Health Products Regulatory Authority, advises against it until more research is done because it hasn't got the proof um, in the body. So you can have lots of drugs that look, can do things in the lab, but it's really, we need to know, does it work in the field in real people? So while it is promising, we're still waiting a bit more research to say this is the, uh, the best solution we've got. You know, it's, and there's a big difference between um, anecdotal evidence, in other words, we've used it in a few people and we've got marvelous results, and whether that is re reproducible for the for the whole population and also it comes down to doing things properly and ethically is it as 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 Andrew's saying is it registered for that particular use and in this case it's not registered and in many of the studies um I uh, ivermectin has also been used with high dose corticosteroids right so that's already is a confounder a co uh, 
confounding variables. What is making the difference? Is it ivermectin or is it the steroid? And so until you have what we call proper randomized control trials proving unequivocally and reproducibly that it does work uh, for, for, uh, for COVID-19, it should not be used on a global scale or, or, or even the way people are importing it now illegally. So we're not denying that it, it has value in COVID-19, but it must be done properly so that people are protected against any unwanted uh, side effects or unwanted effects of the drug. And, uh, and we understand why people want to believe in this because it's much easier to feel like it's a tablet I can take that protect me than rather than a vaccine because vaccines, you know, there's that ingredient list and uh, we actually didn't, didn't cover this fetal cell thing. We must, took, must look at that ethical element. But, you know, there's a lot of controversy around vaccines in recent years, sadly. But um, taking a tablet seems a lot safer. Unfortunately, safety is about effectiveness. And by far the most effective way to stop this pandemic is the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, things like Azithromax and hydro, uh, hydro, hydrochloroquine that were prompted, were pumped very hard in America by a certain uh, world leader. There, there's not the evidence there for those guys, unfortunately. I mean, I would have loved those cheap drugs to work, but the studies are that hydroxychloroquine isn't effective for coronavirus. So um, Azithromax has a little bit of effectiveness in the laboratory again, but again, it's been when it's been studied, it's been studied with the steroids, and the steroids we do know has a big effect at damping down COVID-19. If you get infected with COVID-19, you're offered steroids. It's a very effective way of helping your immune response deal with it. But Azithromax, hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine unfortunately don't put your money in those things um even ivermectin sounds positive but the vaccine has been tried tested and it does work so i'd much rather put my money there and just to close up uh, if i can um if you look at all the videos it's always marked the headline will always say cure ivermectin something in between and then cure there there are no cures for viruses Mm. hiv hepatitis b etc so in the same way there is no cure for for um, for COVID nineteen, so that that again is a myth that is being portrayed that, you know, we are withholding this wonder drug that can cure you. Mm. It it reduces the viral load, but it's not a cure for COVID nineteen. Yeah, guys, a, a number of the questions uh, again around the efficacy of um, vaccine production or vaccine research so not so much what's in the vaccine itself so if we accept that there are that that it's false news fake news uh there are no uh aborted fetuses in uh in the vaccine itself but Mm. but just in terms of the vaccine research and uh specifically the use of stem cells um and the efficacy around that has has anybody got any thoughts to to weigh in on that conversation so i I can say on this topic that it is an interesting topic for the ethics for Christians because Christians in general don't believe in abortion as it's it's killing a life that God has created and you know it's it's ethically um, frowned upon and so anything that involves abortive fetuses you suddenly go oh hang on a minute is this something I should do the situation so it's it's good to be aware of the facts is that there were two uh, aborted fetuses in the 1970s in the Netherlands that the mothers donated the, the the babies to medical science and from those two babies there has been grown what's called immortal cell lineages so fetal cells are immortal it's only when you become born you start to die and get old and but but fetal cells don't die they keep going isn't so that fascinating it's amazing I mean, that is actually just incredible even to hear so, so we talk about one day we'll be immortal and have new bodies they'll probably have 
the, the whatever's in the fetal cells that keeps the bodies going you know and uh, not like our bodies now um and these cells have been replicating for for decades one decade so there's no the cells they have to test the uh, and develop vaccines using cells of some sort it's either human cells uh, which we use in this cell lineage from the aborted feces or animals and then so animal testing as well is also problematic as we know and there's a lot of ethical concerns about testing on animals so these cell lineages have been used to develop and test vaccines not just covid but all sorts of vaccines you, the reality is you probably had a vaccine that has been tested using this cell lineage so it comes down to a question of i don't like this as a christian but is what is the alternative and i suppose it uh, i'd you have to process that and just work out your own response. Yeah, I mean, the, this is weighty and tricky. Uh, mm. I can see when uh, you want to weigh in. Well, just to just to add to what Andrea said, um, I think it's quite important to understand the process of development of a vaccine, and I know that that's been touched on, but these fetal cell lines themselves are not making it into the vaccine Correct, that yeah. is actually injected into the patient. Uh, this is all pre the vaccine pre the phases where the actual vaccine is produced so the cells are used and obviously we're sitting in 2020 2021 so it is not the original cells but it is if you will copies of those cells that have been reproduced mm, so okay. this is not an ongoing process where abortions are being required for ongoing research or manufacture of vaccines this is going back as he indicated to the 1970s well that's i mean now now, now it's confession time that certainly busts a myth that was in my mind um and i certainly didn't understand uh, look i've been trying to avoid as many of those youtube clips that uh, come into your whatsapp uh, uh, bin as possible um, but but I certainly um, based on the headlines would have taken it for granted that uh, that that folk are killing babies in order for vaccines to be created and you're saying that that's not the case absolutely not the case no that um, that cell line without getting too technical the heck 293 cell line 1973 the Netherlands they're yes. still using those original basic components to produce the cells that they're testing today. Okay. So this is not an ongoing process. Hmm. Now guys, as we've been talking, I'm now trying to group together questions <laughs> just so that we yeah. can cover as much ground as possible. This is a shift in gear, a little bit away from medicine and, and, and back into uh, an area of expertise for all three of you, uh, a pastoral response. You had touched on it previously, Marlon, so I'm gonna pass the baton back to you. Um, Teresa asks, and many people have echoed, how to respond to believers that feel that they won't be affected by the pandemic because they think they have enough faith or alternatively, and it's been asked in, in varying different ways, believers that are actually sick but believe that the best response to this pandemic is faith. Um, uh, how, do we, how, do we, how, does, how does faith mix into medicine um, at this point? Yeah, you see... We need to be careful of trying to trying to separate um, medicine and ministry or medicine and 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 one's faith. Um, you know, I always think of of, uh, of the apostle Paul, who was his closest companion was Doctor Luke, a medical doctor. Um, I mean, Paul even advised um, young pastor Timothy, uh, gave him medical advice. So there's no discrepancy. And it's not a reflection on your faith or your lack of faith for a Christian 
to seek medical help. And I think one must be very, very careful. I think doc, uh, God has given in his sovereignty um, and in his providence, he's given man the ability to study medicine and giving him uh, man the talent and ability to get medic medication and medical science to a point where we can heal many diseases and where we can uh, where we can whether it is cure control or manage uh, chronic certain chronic conditions and so my short answer is when when you are sick call have faith you must trust god you must believe in god you must pray but do the responsible thing and go to a doctor you know, God forbid something happens, you die, and then and 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 then you get a pastor say, "Well, you know, you didn't have enough faith," and yet there's a valid medical cure that is available for that. So it doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean you 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 lack faith, but balance it out, right? So you've got it, whether it's through your own uh, irresponsibility or through God's providence, whatever the case is. That's not the question. The question is, do what you need to do to get better. Mm. Take your Trust God, pray, but take mm. your medication and listen to your doctor. We serve a, med a miracle-working God who very often works through ordinary providences to achieve his own ends, don't we? Mm -hmm. um, Andrew, uh, anything to add there, brother? So w what, I, what I love about when people talk about faith, it's, it's faith in what? Because everyone has faith. So when I step on an airplane, I have to have faith that mm. it was engineered well, that the pilots... Uh, it's not something tangible. Faith is... Having trust or belief in something untangible, intangible is going to do its job. And when it comes to Christianity, we have faith not in 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 faith in faith or faith in declarations or state. Our faith is in God. So you always have to say, so what is God saying to you? Uh, what does God want you to have faith in? And so if you're looking for wholeness and health and wellness in this pandemic, you want to say to God, what must I do as a believer to remain uh, safe and protected from this virus? And Often, I'm sure God will respond by saying, be wise. I've given you wisdom. So like we were talking about the four W's and three C's, that this is wisdom that God has placed in, in humanity. And we've got to use that. God is saying to us, do the sensible thing. And have faith is, is as you say, it's you pray. Let's pray for supernatural healing. Wonderful. But let's also take medication. Let's take the vaccine. This is God's wisdom to man, mankind through, through science and through, um, through human capacity to to created a, something that really makes a difference and so i think faith is yes I, i'm trusting that god will protect me from the virus th through having a vaccine guys i'm uh, this question has come through in a number of different ways it's been stated over and over again often negatively uh, kind of like questioning are you guys taking the state's line um, sometimes positively just people are curious um, as to uh, what is the relationship in terms of the way that the state is rolling out um, medicine uh, or, or rolling out things like lockdown and things like the vaccine um, is there a correlation between what you're saying and, and what the state is saying I don't know if that question makes enough sense you're asking if we're government spies and trying to infiltrate Andrew the <laughs> are you a government spy <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting so as pastors we're we're quite removed from the government. We're we're citizens more than anything, and so I've had no conversation with any government personnel around this virus. We're giving advice what we think the evidence is there epi epidemiologically, and we're looking at theologically about our role to to obey those in power and pray for them. So, um, if it's the state line, I don't know. What I'm saying is this is what we believe from what well, we haven't even met, met together before this morning. So it's what we individually believe, which seems to be similar. 
which is um, that uh, this is a serious pandemic and we need to use all the controls we can have. Mm. You know, I'm going to say that is asked and answered, um, just so that we can get through some some more uh, questions in the time that we have remaining. Uh, one of the questions, again, it's been asked in a number of different ways, um, and it really goes to the three of you. So recognizing that you are medical doctors, recognizing that you are pastors of Bible churches, um, the question has been asked sometimes positively and sometimes relatively negatively uh, regarding your own decisions and your church's decisions, your elder decisions, um, as to reopening the churches under the lockdowns. So I, I'm going to ask if, if each one of you can just answer that in your personal capacity and just some of the thinking that went into that decision-making process. Um, and uh, let's go in a clockwise direction this time starting with Wayne Mark uh, I think for us it's it's been fairly simple uh, and I realize there's a very complicated um, issue uh, people can emphasize different things um, you know a lot of people have spoken about government uh, overreach uh, of, of course they are very prominent pastors from across uh, the oceans that have made declarations like there is no pandemic. Um, they mm. have uh, you know, spoken about various statistics uh, that have caused them to take a particular stance which I was interesting, uh, interested to see changed um, along the pandemic. Uh, but we have taken a very simple um, approach to all of this by simply saying, uh, it doesn't all make sense that there are some things we are allowed to do and other things that we are not allowed to do, but we honestly believe that what government is asking of us um, is them trying to do their best um, mm. and that they're being reasonable as best they can with the information that they've had made available to them along the way. Obviously, when they started off initially, they, like us, knew very little about it, um, their uh, understanding has grown um, and so you know as Andrew said initially there was um, a lockdown that was rigorous um, and practically shut down the economy uh, now we're in a lockdown where the economy has remained relatively open uh, and an attempt has been made and I have friends uh, including friends that you pointed out were listening earlier that are in industries that are still finding it extraordinarily difficult but mm. our basic decision has been based on uh, Romans chapter 13 we are not of the persuasion that we are being persecuted I think that's offensive to be believers in places like China and North Korea and northern Nigeria and across the world to say that we're being persecuted if uh, we are allegedly being persecuted are the Muslims and the Hindus and the Jews and their various gatherings also being persecuted um, are the secular institutions um, that have been asked to do the same things that have sacrificed greatly are they also being persecuted um, no they're not when you are punished for disobeying the law as I pointed out in the sermon that I preached this last Sunday that's called prosecution not persecution and there's a difference uh, in in that so um, yeah uh, when Cyril Ramaphosa gave us permission to go back to church uh, the first time around June uh, we said thank you very much uh, but no thanks and we left it for another two weeks because we were um, hitting the peak in Gauteng 
uh, we did go back. Uh, we went back with all the precautions uh, in place, all those W's and C's that uh, Marlon spoke about. And uh, when the second wave hit and uh, people were struggling and the second wave has been substantially, substantially worse than the first one, um, we said, uh, Mr. President, whatever you've uh, asked at this point in time, we certainly will. Uh, if uh, a point is reached where government decides that they anti-religion period um, and that that includes Christianity, then I think it would behoove us as Christians living in the West to appeal to those countries that I've just spoken about and to ask the Christians there, what do we do under these circumstances? Because I don't see them brazenly going into public spaces and gathering in large numbers, but going underground and continuing to worship the Lord uh, in secret. So... Um, you know, my mantra during this whole time is to manifest counterculture humility, to manifest counterculture uh, compassion and care uh, for others. Um, you know, a lot of people say that we've been given a bunch of instructions in Scripture that conflict with one another. We told together, and I believe that with my whole heart, that we are told together, but at the same time, um, you know, we are told to love one another and care for one another and not put God to the test by being irresponsible. Um, and so there are some conflicts related in that, but I honestly believe Jesus solved the conflict when he was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, we are at peace. Um, with uh, with the course of action that we've taken, which is to do what government has asked us to do uh, in loving God and in loving others. Sorry for the long answer. Mm. Well, thanks, Wayne. Uh, I, uh, it wasn't scripted. I uh, didn't uh, anticipate that question coming in quite as much as it has come in. Mm. I, I want to give Andrew and then Marlon the opportunity to answer as well. Andrew, uh, God first on the East Rand. Yeah, so just going back a few steps, the... Um, Obeying the government or being submissive to governing authorities doesn't mean you can't disagree with them or be silent or, you know, I think part of being, operating in society is to be vocal when you feel the government is doing something wrong because mm. that's how they're going to ever change their mind. Mm. So, for instance, the, the 500 billion that's quoted, I'd love a forensic audit of where that money's gone to. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a little frustrated that we haven't got as, m as many vaccines available as we sh I think we should. But at the same time, I will obey the government's uh, directives on social distancing and things like that. So I'm not saying I'm pro-government and I'm, you know, I'm conflicted. Mm. But my duty as a Christian, as a believer, is to pray for the government and to obey their, their governing. And where it doesn't conflict with Christianity. So mm. as, as Wayne said, we're not being persecuted. We're able to meet. And so in, in our church, what we decided to do is we'd follow the government regulations and we switched to an online service, we pivoted, we had to learn how to get all that set up, um, but we're still able to worship, we're still able to preach the Bible, we're still able to pray, um, and so we did that until the government then opened things up, and when we opened up, we came back cautiously at 50 people initially, with social distancing in place, with all the mask wearing, and all the things like that, and then we went to 100, and now we're back to online. And, uh, and the, the challenge for Christian community is how do you do the things that were called to do in the Bible in a lockdown situation. We've got technology to help us, but not everyone's available for technology. And how do you protect the most vulnerable? So our most vulnerable haven't gone to church, haven't gone back to gathering in December or November. or They didn't. They stayed online because th that was appropriate to them. 
and, and when you're leading a, ch a community of believers you've got a whole age range risk range of people and you've got to think how can i govern things or how can we govern things in a way that makes everyone safe and so there's a real tension and balance like in in doing that but so so for now we're, we're back to online and for those that who don't have access to online we have to then phone or sms or you know not everyone has got the the wealth of being able to to go online really and have wi-fi or you know um it's it's costly sometimes to some to not everyone has fiber you know mm. thanks andrew uh marlon yeah so again just to echo there's a big difference between government saying please can you ch close your church in order to protect or limit the spread of COVID 19 versus please close your church because we do not want you to preach the gospel. Mm. And so we had no problem closing our church. And what I actually told our church, I think the second service, online service from our home, I said, while church services may be canceled and while church bells may not be ringing, this does not mean the church is silent. Mm. I said, so wherever mm. you are in your house now, whether it be in the lounge, the kitchen, every home is now a church. And if you, if you follow that sort of understanding, we felt that we were still part of the global community and still part of worshiping God on a Sunday even though we weren't physically in the building and uh, we, we we also took our time to open we've closed now completely we're back to live streaming services from home and we will do so until we are guided um, by the government for the benefit of our people in terms of our country our community and my congregation as well so I think what I, I like about the three of your answers is you do bring the force of your medical background to bear but your answers are pastoral in heart and certainly focused on your the local congregations that each of you serve I really do want to say thank you guys um, we, we, we've reached a stage where if we carried on answering questions and I, I want to thank the listeners as well thanks for the questions that have poured in it's been uh, it's been it's been interesting just to hear what is on your on your minds and uh, I, I'm so sorry we haven't gotten to everything if uh, we didn't get to your particular question I, I do apologize um, but I do want to thank the panel that came in uh, Wayne thank you so much for your contributions Andrew uh, Marlon thank you for your contributions please do take our love and our regard back to the people that you serve um, and uh, we are really blessed uh, to have you guys within the, the the broader tribe that we can draw on in terms of uh, mm -hmm. of uh, of knowledge and, and experience Mark if I can uh, just butt in um, and give a recommendation that I think these other gentlemen will also be happy with. But if you want to look for a good source of information, on Facebook there is an epidemiologist called Friendly Neighbor Epidemiologist. If her uh, husband is a pastor, it is just a wonderful resource for people to uh, look at. Great stuff. Uh, any any other recommendations we've got? A minute and then we will say how you guys might be contactable we'll leave those in the show notes I think what I what I said to my congregation the very first Sunday after the the harsh mm -hmm. the harsh lockdown I said um, you know I've been preaching so long to keep our church full and I'm preaching to keep our church out but I said this I said <laughs> number one stay calm yeah. don't panic Christians should be the calmest people on earth yes if you really believe what the Bible teaches secondly stay informed Stick to the science and avoid the fake news yes. and the drama. And then thirdly, stay prostrate. Not prostate. Prostrate. <laughs> <laughs> stay face down Dr. praying Judge. and trusting God. <laughs> okay. Thank that you so thing, much. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for that. Andrew, any recommendations just in terms of where people can find information or additional 
I think let's not be anti-science. Um, let's take our information from the people that it's their profession. Let's not get information from YouTube conspiracy theories. If it sounds a bit crazy and wacky, it probably is. So mm. let's and and let's base on data. That's what we're assessing. Our, we we look to the data ourselves and people understand the data and that's really how we, how medical discoveries happen. It's they're proven. They use science to do so. They test them. They have a theory. They check if it's right. They change their mind. And that's, I love the fact that scientists are very humble people because they're open to change their mind according to the data. And we thought initially, hey, hydroxychloroquine could be good. The data wasn't good. So so we switched. Mm. Just do the same. Well, folk, uh, we are heading up to the hour to 11 o'clock. Um, in closing, our, our prayers really do go out to those who are personally affected by covid and recognizing that many of our churches, people that we love, pastors that we love are affected by this pandemic in having to uh, take care of the folk who they are um, ministering to, the elders and the deacons who hold the line in local churches and our missionaries serving in foreign fields, we pray for them. We also want to remember and pray for and give much respect to our first responders, police, firefighters and paramedics and correctional service officers serving our nation you've been listening to table talk with me your host mark penrith and we're going to news now so until next week friday may god richly bless you one vision one voice one message radio pulpit 657 am and 729